1: what's good internet it's february 4th 2022 and you're listening to waypoint radio episode 458 i sure hope us doing waypoints and a separate numbering for system system for waypoints does not fuck up baron blissey's uh beautiful little waypoint.gay uh, counter oh shit uh, yeah, yeah. I'm checking. Like, what if, I'm checking what if on game right now. <laughs> what if we quietly create, like, a update nightmare for our friend who created this cool little tool? Um, by it's working right now. Having... It's fine. It oh, right. says 458. I, I,
2: believe, I believe in Baron. I believe that uh, they, can, they can account for this. They seem
1: yeah, to have true. already. Baron, yeah, Baron's, uh, Yeah, B- B- Baron is, like, the, the, the spirit producer. <laughs> uh, on, on every on every pod and stream uh, I'm your host Rob Zachney I'm joined by Patrick Klepek Hello Producer Ricardo Contreras Yo Physical corporeal producer Ricardo <laughs> Contreras As opposed yeah. to the spirit producer uh, role uh, So this week we have been playing a bit of Dying Light 2 uh, I think we're coming to it from a couple different directions Patrick you are a Dead Island Defender and I am someone who really liked Dying Light 1. So we both yeah, came to this with funny. some hopes and expectations. Yeah, we're, bo- we're both... But both, from really different angles. Yeah, both <laughs> both uh,
2: liking Techland as a studio. Um, yeah, I played Dead Island. Um, that came out when I was a giant bomb. Part of what I like, really liked about that game, like Brad and I really bonded over... That game's weapon system was really fascinating. And it still had this sort of... Crafting stuff that you see in Dying Light and Dying Light 2 where it's like, hey, you've got a machete, but what if that machete had electricity on it <laughs> and like stuff like that? Um, but what was so unique about Dead Island was that you used the analog stick to aim. So it's like if you wanted to swipe across the head, you were going left to right on the analog stick. If you wanted to attack their arm, you were going right to left or even at a diagonal, depending on like where you were attacking. It was just such a fascinating mm-hmm. approach to uh, – like combat with uh, with zombies or, or whatever kind of enemy, frankly, that um, the fact that the story wasn't very interesting, the fact that I'm pretty sure it was
1: extremely racist at times, if I recall correctly. I seem to remember the impressions you were doing of some of the characterizations were not good.
2: Yeah, I, I cannot recall exact specifics, um, but I, 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 vaguely, I vaguely remember some of that stuff not being great. It was also the game that had that, <laughs> um uh the sexy bust um that uh oh, the
3: fucking torso uh, right
2: yeah the torso that caused a bunch of um hand wringing as well um and so that's where that's where i came from was like really enjoying some of the ideas uh that they had in die in dead uh, dead island and then i don't know I, I actually did the i did the research um in before playing dying light 2 was like why did i not play this game it came out in january Right? So, like, just dropped in an instance in which not a lot of games were usually come out. Um, kind of one game usually claims a January slot, and everyone sort of moves out of the way. Uh, I looked at all the games in December, to all the games in January. I didn't look up my accounts, but I could not figure out, why the fuck didn't I just play Dying Light? And I definitely did. I played the tutorial which takes place in a hotel. Um, mm. Like, I remember the intro to Dying Light, and then for some reason, never getting back to it, and I don't have a good excuse uh or explanation but uh you actually I was surprised to learn when you told me that you had actually you you fell off it but that you had played at least a significant amount of of the first game.
1: Yeah, I played a lot of Dying Light. Part of it was so I like I had been aware that like some people did like uh, Dead Island and said that like, you know, setting aside the debacle of marketing around it, like it had been a a pretty fair uh, middling kind of game with some cool ideas. I had just never gotten around to that. But Dying Light came out and uh, God, I can't remember how I ended up getting uh, pretty interested in it. It might have been a thing where like it was cool enough at E3 that when it did come out, Because, like, that whole – the thing they introduced there, I don't think they had this in Dead Island, was this whole notion that, like, the world state is drastically different between day and night. Mm -hmm. Uh, That, like – and Dying Light leans into this idea of during the night, you are much more the hunted rather than the hunter. Uh, And then, of course, there's certain things that only are possible uh, at night. And you do then have to confront the really powerful uh, monsters that that come out, and so that was that was a really cool tension, right? This notion that you'd be out there in the open world, and the day-night cycle would be meaningful to you, where you'd realize like, oh shit, I'm I'm on this mission, and I'm a long way from any safe zones, and the sun is going down, and so you're starting to run across the rooftops, looking over at the at the sun. You're like, uh, this is getting this is getting pretty dicey. So. And I think, I think it also had a really good sense of place. I think Haran was actually a pretty well-realized location uh, in the first game. I think it did have a in sense Turkey, of... Turkey, right? right? Yeah, basically it was like a fictionalized Turkey, um, but I think most of the characters were, like, recognizably either Turkish or, like, Eastern Mediterranean. It was still an international city. You would still encounter people from, like, different yeah. parts of the world. But, like, predominantly did have a sense of, like, yeah. Okay. So this is the sort. This is the sort of like cast of characters you might have. Uh, you know, when when a city's put under lockdown, uh, with no warning. So what sort of knocked me off it was, of course, a little bit of bloat. You know, it's it, it had a really good loop. Um, but Dead Island also had a blo- like it was and, and yeah, the,
2: the, the Dead Island came out in the midst of like the open world expansion that like primarily games like Assassin's Creed set off across all sorts of different games um i want to say that it was coming out around like the time that we were playing like Assassin's Creed Brotherhood and stuff like that where we were just seeing that kind of like proliferate and it was just so much easier for games to make giant wide open spaces and so again like nothing about the geography the story um do i remember like any of that from Dead Island um but it the, the combat was so compelling and it just—I don't know. It just—it seemed like a studio that was willing to take some interesting swings. Like we, when we often like talk about games that are are janky, it's usually from a sense of earnestness that is like, "Hey, there's interesting ideas here. It's not going to be as polished as maybe like what you might be used to, but like underneath, uh, like beyond beyond the lack of polish, is like really riskier, more interesting stuff that you you would see kind of erased off um, other games that were. Uh, Either had more like a bigger scope, or more resources, or what went have you? Um, and and Dying Light seemed like, hey, how can how can we do this on a bigger scale? In addition, with the none of the parkour stuff was in Dead on. That was just
1: a first person, right? And that, and that was I that was really good uh, in in Dying Light. And you're right, I, I sort of skipped over that. It had a really good first person parkour system. That like the game was just slow enough that you had beats where you could read the train ahead of you. It was decently signposted, but not like spoon fed. And I think, like, you know, having just um, tried to warm up to Mirror's Edge, uh, you know, at that point in the last few years, and I've been really frustrated with the various ways that, like, Mirror's Edge repeatedly just sort of have you fall into a really frustrating fail state, or, like, be so, like, once momentum was lost, it was so completely lost that, like, your run was basically, um, you know, trashed. Dying Light handled a lot of that pretty well. It felt really good. I think with the sequel, I think we both kind of remember. I think we saw the presentation uh, at E uh, three together like three years, years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. And remember, this was when. So this was. And I think you referenced this in, in your uh, you know launch day. Uh, you know, take on it was the fact that I think that was the point where they are pushing this notion that we are going all in on narrative. Um, and the game is going to evolve and like be shaped by your decisions. And specifically, uh, we have these these Chris uh, these well, we have Chris
2: Avalon, but but also that there, there are these factions. And I mm-hmm. remember in that presentation, a big part of it being you're going to be parlaying these factions, like you're going to be bouncing off them, like you're going to be like, I'm going to do this with this one side, I'm gonna do this with the other side. Is bi- binaries are boring? Like we're gonna we're gonna doing something that's a little more gray, a little more in the middle. You're still making big choices, big swings that are going to. I remember part of that pitch being like fundamentally alter the state of the world as a result of your, your choices. And you know, things like that are, that's not the first time I've heard, (laughs) you know, a pitch like that in in a video game, dying light uh, two is not, not unique in that regard, but because of the foundation they'd laid in the first game, which I think the general consensus was story was, eh, but man, the game that they built, like the gaming parts of it, like are really strong bones. If you were to layer interesting story, Uh, on top of it, you could, you could really be cooking with gas.
1: Yeah. And I think, like, I remember they showed, um, you had a sense of like, there being three factions, the vestiges of which are still kind of there. Some of the locations are there in this game. I recognize the bizarre immediately in Dying Light 2, but there's this notion of like, and the metric song, um, (laughs) (laughs)
2: like that's a song that plays in the <laughs> bazaar when you first get there yep. I was in a in a bunch of their promo stuff too I was like oh wow they, they still ri- spends they- a
1: lot on a soundtrack that plays over shitty speakers in like one location of the it's world not,
2: it's not as though there is a band around the corner that is being a pseudo Metric, and I really, I really like Metric as a band. I was like very, I was like, oh, we're gonna get a bunch of Metric on the soundtrack. No, just once <laughs> in
1: right, the bizarre. They, them, they have other good songs, but like the, you had this notion of I think in the, the the thing they showed was like the city's in the midst of a water crisis, and like, um, you know, a I I want to say like an arch religious conservative faction had taken over like the water supplies. And there were there was sort of the more militarized like cop faction. And then there was a bit more of the like, peacekeepers, a, um, the, the P.K. Yeah. And yeah, so there was this notion of like they all were sort of in tension with each other. Um, and then, of course, you did have the the notion related to this is that like essentially this was all being designed with the help of Chris Avalone, who, you know. Prior to uh, like some allegations of harassment and misconduct um, was a really, really well-regarded uh, and influential narrative designer. And I think to an extent he was in that phase of a career where people just become kind of a brand. Like you put, you, you hire someone to it's impossible like, to
2: know what he was actually doing um, right. project to project. And the way he's talked about his contributions on various projects, especially after the, the allegations came out and he was sort of forced to kind of backpedal Um uh, you know i think he put out a tweet about dying light being like i kind of just you know contributed some quests like it didn't seem like it was like avalon in the in the room being like here's how we're going to structure this broad spider web of a narrative and it seemed more that hey if you want people to take your story seriously like a quick way to get headlines is to pay avalon to be like a consultant for 6 months yeah. in in like the early like uh, pre-production production phase and he'll, <laughs> he'll 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 give you some guidelines some some suggestions but he's not He's not in there every day cracking the storylines yeah. in the way that people might think, uh, oh, well, the, the person who did Alpha Protocol, you know, a game that wasn't a very good game, but, like, was, an by all accounts, like, an excellent story and, like, choice-driven narrative. Kind of narrative. a cult object. Cult yeah. object. Like, like a anybody, lot of his. Yes. You know, yes.
1: Planescape. Um, but and then you know, even setting that stuff aside, uh, this was a development that was substantially like retooled, uh, right around that same time, mm-hmm. where they they sort of, uh, I I gather they had to sort of rescope and and junk a fair bit. They indefinitely delayed the game. They sort of yeah. at a
2: certain point they said, "It's not, it's coming out when who could say? Did we announce this way yes. too early? You know, looking back." Perhaps. Um, And that's in parallel (laughs) with a report from, I think it was The Gamer, um, uh, you know, examining sort of like the workplace, which sounded like not a great place to be. Um, So it's like you, you have all of these, you know, it's already difficult enough to make a like large scale production on this, at this scope, if everything is going right you know what i mean like if everything is yep. moving in the right direction a, b- a bunch of people you know it isn't a, it is it's not a horrible workplace um it it's still hard to make these things happen and this game seemed to have a lot of elements working against it um a very, it was a very uh, kind of tortured pro- i think it was 7 years between uh, the yeah. two the two games and i don't think it was intended to be quite that long
1: i feel like you and I, like, we did not actually discuss what we were going to say about this game before this, this show, but I think <laughs> you and I are both sort of approaching from a really similar angle. We were, we were also trying to parse for ourselves, so how do we get to this? Yeah. Because I would say, <laughs> I like, know. this is, I am deeply underwhelmed by this game. My expectations had been, like, high at one point. They've been sort of reset a bit lower, but... I'm really underwhelmed, man. Like this was a game. I really thought I would enjoy more. I thought there'd be like more interesting stuff happening. And instead, the thing that it reminds me the most of is like a far less, like it, it feels a lot like cyberpunk um, in terms cool. of like, but, but the thing is, here's what I will say, like setting aside massive performance issues and like bugs, uh Cyberpunk got a significant percentage of the way toward what they wanted to be doing. This one doesn't. And so like Cyberpunk it's like ah, uh, like there's just there's a whole bunch of things that are kind of flat, they don't like the system sort of work but they're not really interesting. Uh it's bloated, there's too much of it, too much of the same thing. All those things are true in Cyberpunk, but ultimately large portions of the game and design did work. It doesn't, Um, it
2: also doesn't, uh, it's, it's been a long time since i played a game. I didn't play cyberpunk. I've been waiting to check it out whenever like this next gen version is out where it feels like we're hitting 1.0. It's that, you know, it seems like that might be sometime sometime soon. Um, But uh, it's in so long since I played a game where uh, I can see the staples. Like you can see, oh boy, uh, this was a game this was not how it was meant to be. this was not how it was conceived, and then, at a certain point, probably during that 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 phase where they went, this game will come out when we have a better idea of when it can come out um was like a real come to jesus how, what do we do with the pieces that we have, and how do we then work towards getting that out two years from now um and so you can still you like you you can see like signposted like where they were heading. Even if the game that we're playing is a pale imitation of like where they were probably trying to to go with it, yeah. um, which makes it fascinating where it's not just cut. I'm sure lots of things were cut, but like along the way, you can sort of like – you can see – the the, sur- the the surgery that occurred while you're playing it
1: yeah it, like it it feels very much like there is the ruins of a game that this new game is sort of built on
2: <laughs> yeah the, and there's- for a game with a post-apocalyptic narrative it feels like you are experiencing a developer's commentary on their own work. Yeah, like-, <laughs>
1: like there's places where you're like, I'm pretty sure that is that is an old part of the game that is poking through into this new <laughs> one, Um and it just doesn't seem to do much. So, like, and and for me, it started even from the first. It starts you out like so quickly, like real quick. If you wonder. Do I need to have played Dying Light, or should I have played Dying Light to like understand what's happening? No, doesn't matter. Dying Light One ends on a cliffhanger. Dying Light Two is like, yeah, so all that stuff happened, but it didn't matter. But then the same <laughs> thing happened, except now it happened across the entire world. And so, like Dying Light Two, well, even so the though set, like, the setup in
2: One is that there is an outbreak of a of like a I think a man made. Virus, like a
1: a lab yeah. leak, if you will. in one city,
2: in one city, they cordon it off, um, and like you go in there, stuff happens, and then in this one, uh, the, it, it has got like I believe according to the opening video, like the world was back at peace, like they they gotten it under control, and then. That was damn.
1: Then the, the damn umbrella Corporation could, could not could not stop their experiments. Right, it and got no out reason. again. They're like so. Then with the with the Haran virus controlled, they just started fucking with it, <laughs> and then it got out again. But worse this time, and it no. wiped out the entire planet. And so now you're this new guy, uh, a pilgrim, who is basically like one of the only like a cast of people who wander between. Uh, human settlements uh, in this in this wasteland and are not and the are, idea is like, severely dislike Like the game also sets up that people do not like pilgrims. Like
2: they are they are not only are they 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 are outcasts. They you are seen with disdain. There are multiple times in this game where it's like, do you want to reveal that you're a pilgrim? And I don't think the game does enough work to set up why. It seems like like why am I so disliked in this game?
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of like you know like I, I imagine if you're trying to explain like. Like anti Romani prejudice. It also is pretty fucking perplexing, right? Like, that's the nature (laughs) of prejudices. It's like, so what's the problem? The answer is just like prejudice and racism. Yes. But like this, but there is no, but the thing they don't get to is like, okay, so is it because like there's like a pilgrim culture that people don't like? It's, it's most, it's like, it's like if the entire world decided they hated like, long haul truckers or something (laughs) like that that's how it feels is like oh no you're a long haul trucker get out of here we hate your kind it's not like just there's (laughs) a city next to the one
2: that you're about to invade and like oh you come from the like the pilgrims are like a different city that like they've been warring factions and like you're coming over from there it's like no pilgrims are like all over the place they just seem to be people who have rejected Trying to rebuild a, a city version of society and instead just spend their time out in the wilderness, like
1: scrounging. I, seems, well, I don't know, seems fine actually. And, <laughs> And the other, the other really, um, so yeah, that bit of world building, cause it's gonna keep coming up. Like, everyone's gonna Constantly. be like, oh, hey, you're a pilgrim. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, man. Like, see, this is my mailbag. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, what's the, like, I like even if they, if they just take on the beat to set up, like, yeah, and because pilgrims travel between cities, like, they can be bringers of, like, the, the disease itself or something like that. I don't know. I mean, they do. Yeah. I mean, they.
2: Because, like, the opening arc of the game is, like, involves you getting the, um, like, a a medical wristband um, that they use sort of as an an identifying tag. That's kind of a cool idea. It is, yeah, because it sort of says, like, you're here, you're part of our society. If you're not, then, you know, you can wander the city streets, but you cannot get into sort of the more, like, fortified... Settlements. Anyway, well, I guess I'm, I
1: guess maybe this is more like this is. I guess maybe they are just trying to. They're assuming maybe you have enough familiarity with like anti-Romani or like traveler uh, sentiment that like some of the things people are saying would just track because yeah. there there are things like like there's a sense of well, your kind can't be trusted. We know you're only out for yourselves and you're like selfish thieves. Like I guess that you can sort of say like, okay, so this is how we're sort of recasting all this, but it's not it's not really effectively sold. Nor is the South the entire. The opening of the game is also... Man, my heart was sinking so fast during the opening of the game. Because they start you out um, with a tutorial. And it's just standard, like, you find uh, an abandoned mansion where people had their last party. And it's like, it's all well-intended, but it's such corny, old-fashioned video game shit at this point of, like... We posed these corpse models in sad positions, so you know they loved each other. Yeah. Here's a picture of somebody who killed themselves in a bathtub. They're a skeleton now. You can loot them for their gear. Uh, oh, got we got these found rags. News- here's some new- <laughs> here's some newspapers. They will tell you a bit about what was happening in the world this time. Looks like things were pretty bad. You might have gleaned that <laughs> from these piles of corpses in sad positions. And then there's like I think various points. It's not long before you hit up your first fucking audio log, which is just a disaster. I haven't listened to any of them. I've collected probably 25 (laughs) tapes. I, I just refuse to touch them. They're all time bad. They're all time bad. Like, they make. They make, like, the. Recordings you find in the Arkham series sound like a fucking Orson Welles radio drama from like <laughs> wow. the thirties. Like it's just, it's like the first one you listen to because all all audio logs have this air of the ridiculous, right? Why are these people narrating to themselves extensively? Mm-hmm. This one, you got a kid like there's there's one. It's like, um, you know, the Runner's Saga or something like that. And it's like, well, boy, it's my first day as a night runner. Can't wait to can't to see what happens at the night runner factory. Oh no, there's a monster. Oh, I hope he doesn't find me. And then you hear, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's getting closer. This is really scary. And like, so there's that too. It is like, mm-hmm. this is how the game is building out its world. But then your motivation is like you're out to find your sister. Uh, Mia. So again, real strong Resi vibes uh, from this too. Like, oh, we got another like little creepy lab experiment girl we're tracking down. Sure, that's gonna go well. Well, you're all you are, you are
2: also a lab experiment. Like you were kidnapped at a at a very early age. Seemed like I don't know seven, eight, nine, and experimented on towards means of.
1: Well, that's the point of the game is to figure out like why were you yeah. experimented on. <laughs> mm. And but the other thing is it also has such like. It's weird. There were elements of this in Dying Light, but Dying Light felt like its own thing. Dying Light felt like you had an identity. This one from the first is like grabbing you by the collar and being like, "Look at me. I'm Far Cry now. <laughs> <laughs> look like, at those windmills. I, look
3: at look at look at me."
1: I'm, I'm, the, I'm the windmill now. <laughs>
3: I'm
2: the windmill now, and you, which is the windmill yelling at you as you look at it through your binoculars, and yes. then you realize I need to climb that windmill. Not sure why anyone else hasn't climbed these windmills. Like, oh, look. nobody can fix the windmills. Well, Rob, <laughs> everyone hates these fucking pilgrims, but it turns out the only thing that can fix the f-
1: 500 windmills in this game is a pilgrim, because he is the only one. Who can detach and reattach the SATA cable connecting the <laughs> turbine to the circuit to power the community? Like literally, he opens up a little circuit box, unblocks the SATA cable, he turns it off it. and turns it off and turns it back on again. Yeah, um, and, then, and, all- and then you get the swooping camera of the skyline uh, people are like, Yay, the windmill is up. Now so- so we can
2: plant a
3: garden. Amazing.
1: And it's also doing, like, I am so over this mode of storytelling, and I, I feel bad. It's like, it's a bit like Far Cry 6, you know what you're getting into, you have no expectations of it, so it's, like, hardly worth discussing in, in, yeah. in some ways. It's like, but if, this if, one, if you, know
2: what you, you know what you're getting into, if you like that sort of thing, great, more power to you. All of us are sort of like, yeah, okay, we're sort of done with this mode until you do something different. And at least it's
1: clear and upfront. This one, from the first, it's like, the the style of cutscenes that they do in these games where their whole approach is to like imagine somebody grabbing you by the hair and by the way your eyes can't move and just like jerking your head around in every scene so that like it's trying to like situate in the ac- situate you in the action and like show you oh wow this is like violent or disturbing but the thing is, that's not how we experience reality, right? Like, we're not, we, we are not like a camera mounted on a stick just being <laughs> swung around. But the way they communicate everything is you always feel uncomfortably close to the subject. And you always feel like the camera's hyperactive. Like, because the idea is your head is being jostled around. And in this world, everyone makes direct eye contact at all times. <laughs> um, Or you'll have to watch something as the... Villain of the game is introduced. You have to somehow be within eye-line eye of a key event, but, like, secretly hidden. And so you will get, like, a weirdly, like, composed front-row seat to a key event. Um, Like, but through through a shit-ton of, like, vent grating. Uh, so, <laughs> so they can't see you. But, like, it is so... Like, I'm so exhausted of cutscenes like that because they don't... They look like shit. Um... Visually, they're really boring. Like, however, however many like dramatic motions or like oh, this guy got threw, thrown against the wall, it just doesn't. It's such a boring. Because you have to simulate camera angles
2: because you've you've made the decision to keep it fixated in first person. So you've robbed yourself yeah. of any ability to it, to cre- create tension or drama through an, like a, a sweeping camera because the camera is now your eyes, and so you it has to has to move to be like, well, this is where we do a cut.
1: Well, thing is, we're going like, to we're
2: going to cut by throwing your head across the across the screen.
1: It's it's like I don't know where this came from to an extent, like where like why aren't cutscenes OK anymore with like I mean, it starts shots? with it starts with Halo or not Halo Uh, uh Half-Life, right? I
2: mean, yeah. like, it's like sort of like Half-Life is the game that introduces what if you just commit to storytelling no in the first yeah. person, no cuts. And uh, I think, you know, some, some some games do that better than others. Right. Like I, you know, and, and I think this this is an instance where I think it. You know the storytelling is suspect, like regardless of this creative choice, but it is its its weaknesses are uh, made more pronounced
1: as a result.
3: Nobody should have taught game devs what immersion meant.
1: (laughs) Pretty much, (laughs) Uh, well, they taught they just defined it for themselves really aggressively, and it means it means you're always immersed. It means you're being drowned. (laughs) Um, And the other thing I can't like, I don't know why. Why does the rigging in every game like this look so awful, too? Like the other part is these cutscenes. you're know, watch these characters with these weird rubbery movements at all times. Uh, and and so like you're spending so much time dealing with just really bog standard and tedious storytelling. And then the story is being told, is pretty profoundly uninteresting and they don't seem to have interesting things for you to do. And that's like that's the part where like it really started to get to me. I like your initial helper when you get to this town, Villador. Hakan, yeah. Um, yeah, Hakan sort of takes you under his wing and he takes you on the first quest line to get those little wristbands that show how far the infection is progressing. And this is a cool idea. The idea is that everyone is sick with this thing, but you only turn after a certain point, and these LED wristbands show how far along someone is to turning into one of these zombies. It's it's, it's a neat
2: uh, extension uh, and that bleeds into the gameplay in which, whereas in Dying Light 1, there was a day-night cycle, and that changed the behavior of the zombies when zombies were present. Um, in this one, that remains, but uh, in addition to that, you, you're on a timer. So when you're out at night... Uh, you know i think the game starts like something like four minutes that you have you have four minutes before you will turn and so when you want to go loot a nighttime like the the best materials uh you know crafting upgrades things like that which i haven't found much use to actually go and do like Mm. more like practically in in the game 13 hours in i'm getting plenty of upgrades and materials that i need without like dealing with the nighttime stuff but anyway it's it's a really cool idea where like hey uh you know if you want to go into the into the indoors and like check out this like science facility well You've got about 4 minutes to do that. That up that that lengthens as you start upgrading your character over time. You can find UV lights that like refill that. There are items UV <laughs> mushrooms. Do the like the toxic like the UV, they call them UV mushrooms, UV shrooms and you just just just, shut, just imagine like creeping along in this like abandoned I think the GRE is the like the the the, the, the umbrella equivalent in in this game and uh you know you're just pr- frantically turning into a zombie. Your your thing is you're just just chowing down on these UV mushrooms, but I love it. Like that's that stuff. I like I thought that was that was great. Like these are really good, interesting ideas to layer in a day night cycle, give the player a little more tension and incentive to like keep pushing because it's a game that uh, is about looting everything right where you're clicking because the game is unwilling to actually communicate what's around you fully oh. in its UI, you are just spending every 30 seconds clicking in a stick or, you know, I'm sure it's a, a you know, the cue a key, a, on the keyboard on to the keyboard. activate
1: your pilgrim sense, your pilgrim survivor sense. sense.
2: Yes, because th- there's just literally no way you would ever, like, it, like visually, aesthetically, the game is unwilling to commit to communicating what is around you through that. So instead you use the survivor sense. And so... But it's a game where, uh, you know, because you want to scrounge everything up, you're often being like slow and deliberate and adding this like rate clock down timer is really smart. Like that it made it made one sequence that I did where I rated. So sometimes you're rating a nighttime facility because it's got crafting upgrades that you you might want. Um, You don't know what you're going to get. You have to just go in there. And I think they replenish over time. But like one of them is to get to upgrade. Uh, So as you as you do combat or parkour, you're filling up. A meter when that fills you get a, a get a skill point that you can try into a skill tree but that skill tree only expands the possibilities if you are investing in either combat or uh parkour and uh by collecting three of these canisters that you get from um either progressing the story or going to these facilities and I went to this facility and uh there's because there's like three or four of them there and that's like a full upgrade um, and I was trying to get more of this parkour stuff like for example I would like to be able to slide thank you in this poor parkour game. Uh, and I started running out of time. I'm like shoving shrooms in my mouth. Uh, you know, I'm trying to craft like a, like something I can huff to get, get my, uh, my zombie meter down. And it added a really, I ended up like spooking a bunch of rooms because I was just trying to like get out. It was, there were moments like that where I started to see, mm-hmm. like I see, I see the game they were trying to build and there are incredibly cool ideas here, um, even if I don't think it, you know, works in the way it's all stitched together.
1: Yeah, because I think now something I should be clear about, like I've I've only played probably about ten hours of the game. I meant to play more, but like I was just not having a very good time. And the nature of my job is that I don't really have to like just eat like I don't have to eat the whole thing uh at this juncture. And so like like I had a really lousy day of playing a ton of this game. And so, you like, so you didn't
2: make it out of the first, like, I, I tried really hard to get it out of the first I act. Just, I, wanted, I, I wanted to see, I wanted to meet Rosario Dawson in the second hey. act and see how things changed before I, I sort of uh, just decided whether I wanted to keep going or not.
1: No, Patrick, I, I literally, just before this call, um, so another decision this game makes is one of the characters you meet, Sophie, has a big wordless giant who acts as her her bodyguard. Oh, you're in that just little that, big, that box fight. Big, yeah, I want it. Like I was kind of annoyed like I was annoyed that they went with the like big violent like basically the um you know, the Steinbeck thing of just a big hulking brute but the mind of a child. And actually you have to kill him. Uh it's <laughs> like at the end of it's the end of. It's the end was of my name. Money did they battle? just like? Yeah. Go along.
2: <laughs> but this character Kado, I mean, he used to be more. But then there was a grenade, and he he shielded everyone from that grenade. He tossed it out, but as a result of that, he lost his hearing. He was never the same. So, and now R. he just R. goes and now now Robin Patrick both bashed that man yeah, to a bloody pulp with a out with him. a pipe that also sprays fire. <laughs> oh
1: god. Uh but the, the so and that should give you an idea of like some of the characters you are dealing with, right? Like you like it's just I think the reason I like Hakan is because he feels like a person and almost everyone yeah. else. I like the cop, uh Itor, mm-hmm. uh so far, he seems like a decently realized character. I mean the main the main ones are all right, but like Again, very Far Cry. No subtlety in terms of any supporting cast. Like, Sophie, who's the leader of the Survivors, whose ideology is survival's cool, and so is freeholding and small business ownership. And, <laughs> and, and like, like not really, like,
2: fuck the cops, more just, I wish the cops, like, why do those cops have to cops control the water? Be yeah, because yeah. they just give us some, like, really, like, the grand ethical dilemma at the heart of Dying Light 2's, like, first arc is if the cops just gave them a little bit more water, I think everyone would be cool and could just like they could all do their own thing. the 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 cops could guard the gates, and the people, like uh, like uh, kind of the free people who live in this bazaar, this like uh, kind of like central marketplace area. Yeah. Um, I think they'd leave the cops alone if they could just have their water back. But wait, the,
1: none of this, this the shit doesn't even make any like. This is the other thing kind of bugs me too. Like this is the last free city, whatever, blah blah blah. Yo, it's over for all um, the zombies. Like like literally the safe zone is like everyone is living in something that is smaller than my apartment complex. Like the biggest safest headquarters you're going to find is going to be like smaller than like the building I live in, it's smaller than like a a city block.
2: There aren't even like and groups was- going out like, "Hey, during the day the zombies are really weak." They are like in this one like I forget how it works in Dying Light 1, but in this one uh they're extremely susceptible to like the sunlight, which is why at you know at nighttime they're like more violent and like harder to kill and yada yada. There's more and the specials uh, come out. Specials come out, but it seems like you know I don't know. Get get some people out there and go clean up the streets. Like I'm out here doing this with a wrench yeah. that spits poison. I feel like we could we could expand the bazaar several blocks.
1: If yeah, we this, was, this was <laughs> fucking with my head. Where it's like ah, Villador, you know, the last and biggest human settlement. And it's like, we live on the rooftops because we have eight stories of zombies right beneath us. And I'm like, what? Leave. <laughs> Leave. Maybe you should. Maybe the peacekeepers should come over and, like, kill some of those guys. Like, there's no... But, again, I think you do almost see the introduced ideas, like, peacekeeper patrols wandering the streets and fighting mm-hmm. zombies. And, like, you'd almost see... An idea of like what if they're like a stalker like ecosystem if there were of like roaming factions, factions that you yeah.
2: were interacting with in which you uh your choices were then influencing like your like this game so ross so you didn't get to the second area but to speak to this fact there is uh well it's spoiling specific plot beats um essentially like the the game offers you like do you want to side with um you know the free folk or do you want to side with the peacekeepers um i don't think the game despite was I it Itor, the, the, the character yeah. of the, the Peacekeepers? Despite him being a compelling and kind of interesting character, the game gives you like, from my estimation, like zero reason to side with the like the Peacekeepers are dicks. And um, although the Free Folk aren't giving me like a ton of reasons to support them, they've got like a, it's like, if I got a pick between the two, seems like we should get these cops out of here. Um, uh, and uh, the conclusion of that uh, for me was I I decidedly, I fucked over those peacekeepers. Like I got a lot of them killed as a result of some decisions I had to make to set certain um, uh, events in motion. The conclusion of that should be like on a swing of how factions are dealing with me is like peacekeepers. I want nothing to do with this guy anymore. And they should be very aggressive um, if you interact with them. The reality is the game comes up with a narrative conceit about how the different districts can't communicate with one another. So with it, you get to the next one. The first interaction I have beyond meeting the Rosario Dawson character oh is with a set of peacekeepers who are like, hey, can you help us with something? Um, and have no I mean, what I did would have enormous re- like repercussions for this, how this faction should treat me. And the game goes, well, that. Would be complicated um, or we're, we're not built to like actually have that extend beyond the at like the area that we're in. And so it just resets the status quo. And I'm once again faced with, do I want to help the new free folk equivalent? Because it's just a, it's a different group of people in the second area. Uh, or do I want to help the peacekeepers? And once again, the game does not offer a compelling reason to do the other one. Besides, as you uh, like every windmill that you uh Rescue, I guess (laughs) flip a switch on for there. Like each faction has different ways of uh, changing what happens in the, 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 the kind of like this, the area of the city that you're in. So um, like the cops will sometimes add, they could add traps to like different cars that will like scare off or like distract zombies. Um, But again, none of that. I found that particularly compelling. And the fact that I got to the sec deck and it was in the game declared, ah, that big choice you made, like, what if i not we're really small. interested in dealing with the consequences of that? And I've, I've I have, I, this is a, a criticism I've seen for like folks who have reviewed and like seen the entirety of the game is that broadly speaking, you're not really making choices. Um, and it doesn't, you know, the Telltale games, right? Like, we're famous for essentially funneling you towards the same ending as everyone else, but finding ways to make your road there feel meaningful. Um, I just use that as a touchstone because like uh, given a game that like didn't have any combat and was broadly just about like experiencing the writing and the choices. I thought it was very successful, uh, especially in like the walking dead season one at accomplishing that. And you, the, you can see they're trying either. They they arrive at that location in this one. I don't think they meant to, I think this was meant to be a more a, a, stalker situation. The game is like set up as a world to be built, to have things like that. None of it's present. There are no static, there are no like dynamic things that are happening in the world. Everything is static and placed um down to m- more or less like, I mean, there are like high end specials that are like events that you have to choose to go to, but otherwise it's just those dudes that uh, like essentially the equivalent of like a soldier uh, barking an alarm. Um And it's yeah. just a, uh, it's a game that feels like it was supposed to have a lot of, from the storytelling to the scripting of, of, of the world. It was supposed to have a dynamism that is just not, at all present here. And then once you get to a world that's all handcrafted, your expectation changes for like what, what you should be getting out of that experience. I just don't think the game delivers on, on, on that front um,
1: either. So I want to take a quick break here, but when we come back, I want to close the loop on this discussion. Cause I think the last point to discuss here is the many promises, the marketing around this game made about its length and how much there'll be to do and like what the experience of that is in reality uh patrick wrote a bit about this but uh, i'd love to get some thoughts uh you know on on the show uh, about it as well so i'll be back uh, after just a moment So Patrick, when you're talking about like the lack of dynamism, I think that extends to just the way the game itself feels, your character. Like another thing I think about when I think back to Dying Light one, it certainly felt like from the first, they were sort of pushing this idea of like speed and agility is your primary weapon. Like it's always just run, 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 run. And here, and you pointed this out in your review because now everything has to have a skill tree or like be developed in some such or some fashion or another by grinding. I think they've made your character feel really shitty at the start. Um, I, I guess they, big-
2: I guess they locked this stuff in the first game too. Right. So part of the things I point out is that for a game that is built around parkour, um, I find, I found it really shocking that uh, sliding, was hidden as a skill upgrade as opposed to being just one of your basic movesets. I was surprised that wall running was something that was locked behind a skill upgrade and not just something that you could do. Cause traditionally like the best skill trees are accentuations of things the player is already doing. Hey, you can wall run, but would you like to wall run more? Because that's like your preferred way of getting around. You like to slide. Would you like to slide longer or faster? Um, and that's not present here. There are basic moves that are unavailable to the player and my understanding from folks who chimed in in response to my piece were that that was the case in the first game as well. I think that I think that was also a bad choice, and the the consequences of that that bad choice are that the when you get wall running, there's not a lot of reasons to do it. Uh, from what I can find, there was like a handful of times that I did it because it was cool, a handful of times I did it because uh, it was useful, um, but. If you don't include if you can't assume the player has those options, you can't design the world to right. require you using right. them. And once you've done that, you have radically shifted how you're going to architect the design. And it just means that I think I think the movement in this game is really still really fun and exciting. And when you start getting some of those options, uh, I just wish I'd gotten them faster or had a base level assignment of them so that I could have been playing around with a broader set of tools. Um but I think it really limits how they, they even designed the architecture of the city because, of course, you can't put in cool spots to do lots of wall running because if the player doesn't have them, then like, you know maybe they chose to skill tree in a different direction or, right. uh, uh, or or something like that. And the combat that's less relevant because the combat is very much, you know, you can do the core uh, <laughs> whack whack parry and and kick big and, whack. Um, Big whack, uh, small whack, and parry. Like, you can get through the game just fine if all you did was that. And then everything else in an extent of, like, do you want to dodge? You know, yada, yada. So I, I found stuff like that really frustrating, um, especially once you get to the second area. And then you start to realize how, you know, like one of the big, like, hooks. Uh, like, the the marketing for this game was like, wouldn't you love a grapple hook? And me, like, f- 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 the grapple hook fan club, uh, founding member, <laughs> was like, yes, I would like that. Well, I, you know, 13 hours in, I don't have that grapple hook. I've just gotten a paraglider. I don't think that paraglider will even be all that useful if I go back to the first area because the whole way the second area is constructed is that there are just very convenient, like, wind tunnels coming out of the ground everywhere. That, As far as I can tell, maybe I missed a lot of dialogue are unexplained they're just there and whatever i can totally live i I do not need every narrative beat to be explained um in the pursuit of something cool and it is very cool that you can jump off a roof, paraglide shoot back up and like do like but i I also don't think it's going to be maybe those maybe those events start shooting up in the first area but my guess is that tool is just suddenly not useful um over there and you then have to survey the terrain using what you already already have. So, I don't know, all that stuff just, like, it feels like a bunch of cool ideas and then just the way they're stitched into the world don't really work well, for me.
1: And just, I think so much of it feels like it is designed <laughs> around this idea of, like, we are just going to make you play this game for a million fucking hours to do stuff. And, like, I don't remember, like, it, these systems may have been there in Dying Light 1. I don't remember feeling that encumbered by them, like, for very mm-hmm. long. Here, like, Getting levels is a whole big production. It's kind of a cool idea. You have to find these special chests, and it's sort of a multi-stage thing uh, to be able to do it. But, like, it means that, like, it requires a fair bit of investment to, like, open up these possibilities. And in the meantime, the other thing they introduce is, um, boy, you can sure tell, like, the influences that were live when they were in this game, uh, stamina bar. So that now, like, one of the things that you're up against is if you're, like, mantling up the side of a building, your arms get tired and you fall. So, like, there's some places that are just kind of gated out of reach because you haven't built the stamina yet to do it. Or you can take, like, little stamina inhalers, whatever, to, like, give yourself a boost. But, like, there, there's this idea of you can't just go anywhere because, like, your strength will give out and that's one of the things limiting you. Um But... The thing is, in the process of doing that, what they what they made is a game that feels a lot like um, some of my least favorite things about Assassin's Creed, where you know how like there's a line between making your character feel incredibly agile and just weirdly sticky and mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed can fall into it, right? Where you're like, ah, time to time to walk down into the piazza in Florence. You <laughs> <laughs> just sucks into the wall of cathedral, and you're like, I need to get off this cathedral wall. And instead of doing that, you leap across the square and, like, pounce on somebody. <laughs> or you just start, like, ascending the cathedral wall, mm-hmm. like Spider-Man. Uh, this has a bit of that where it's like, because a lot of your like cool parkour abilities are like maybe a little bit underpowered or like still gated. Instead they're hedging a lot with like, you just grab onto something. And so like a lot of times that good feeling of like the running flow in this gets interrupted by your characters sort of being like <sniffs> onto a window "woomp" onto a fire escape ledge. Um, <laughs> And even and then there's times where like the game really aggressively takes control of that stuff like I tried to jump onto a banister railing to use that as a ledge to jump up onto a roof overhang but like maintain my speed seems like a good thing to do. It certainly is the the principle of a lot of the parkour you do in this game, but when you interact with a railing your character does a vault over it and just. He just threw himself, like, into a canyon off that railing because, like, the game doesn't want me to be like, no, you can, like, jump on that and, like, use that as a place to, like, put your feet. Instead, it was like, ah, I can read context. You wanted to hurl yourself into the abyss. And then, and then, because this is a game where this didn't bother me as much in Dying Light 1, bothers me now. Uh, Every time you die, you just respawn back at base and you just like got to walk back to wherever you were doing the thing. If you were chasing somebody, that chase will be preserved. You'll just have to like walk to the end of the chase where that character is waiting and you slowly climb up. So like five minutes ago, you were in the middle of like the scripted sequence where this is supposed to happen. It's like cool chase. But you died. Now you go find him. Maybe do a few side quests on the way. You get up there. And he's like, oh, "Oh, oh! You found me! I can't believe it! Hey, I hope you're not mad. When I saw you coming, I got scared. Oh, you really move! <laughs> like, oh my god! Just, but, but so much of it stems from this decision of like to let you do a lot of the fun stuff that this character can do when they're fully specked out. You're just gonna have to play a lesser version of this game for hours and hours and hours." And you really need narrative hooks to like, you know what I mean? Like the ga- right. either either the narrative can be really compelling, and if the game feels a little bit lacking, like the story will keep you going, or the g- game will feel so fucking tight that it doesn't even matter if the cops and the survivors aren't really fleshed out or interesting. Which feels like, like a little bit more of Dying Light One. Yeah. I feel like that's 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 the that's it fell on
2: that and Dead Island. Dead D- 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 Island was the same way. So my my narrative expectations of Dying Light Two were not like, super high, just, like, regardless of, like, who they're collaborating with or their ambitions in in presentations. I was like, okay, but as long as, like, the zombie parkour part is still good, um, but it feels like because of the scope of the game, the length of the game, that stuff has been the pacing, the dishing out of the cool shit there becomes so sluggish that it ends up exaggerating the problems in the, like, lack of progression in parkour and combat and the the problems with the story because ne- neither one is like gripping you by the collar and being like this is good enough to get you going till everything else sort of evens out because it is not it would not shock me if halfway three-fourths of this game when you've like filled out three-fourths of the skill tree you are doing exceptionally cool shit especially as you're getting around like i don't have the uh you know the ability where like you tap elf uh you like uh like, at least on a controller, you would like tap, uh, you would push it on, on, L3, uh, on the left uh, analog stick and it gives you like a burst of speed. And there's also one where like, if you press a button right as you're vaulting off something, you can like, like like just really push yourself. Like combining all those things with like a paraglider and a grappling hook, like man, like th- th- my brain spins at the cool shit that you'd be capable of, but it sounds like cool shit that I'm unlocking, you know, 30 hours in into the game. And, you know, for, for, you know, I don't disparage folks who, uh, you know, some of the responses to, like, my piece criticizing, like, the pace. Like, well, I like a big game with a lot to do, and I don't mind if it's a little repetitive. And, like, that's fine, man. Like, I've told stories on this podcast about a friend of mine around the corner who, the bigger the game, the the, the, the more bloated, the better. Like, that that is, mm-hmm. those games tick a box, scratch an itch for a lot of people. Um, I just found with this game in particular, uh, I don't think it had... Even to achieve its scale, even if it wanted the, like our side quests are really just experience boosts, like don't worry too much about the like barely there narrative trappings. That's fine. Like I, I can, I can live with that. Um, I just feel like in its attempt to do all these other things, it sacrificed a lot of basics that like the base level game could have been a much better, a more interesting experience, especially early on without making you sort of slog through a whole lot of things to to get yeah. there and it's it's just too bad because you see a much better game here they may get there but to, to Techland's credit I mean they supported the original Dying Light like still up until the release of yeah. Dying Light 2 and it, w- it wasn't just paid expansions it was like quality of life updates Incredibly tons of free tech. shit I mean it is I mean you got your money's worth and I have every expectation that they will probably do that here hopefully within a uh, a work culture and work environment that is that is better you know who's who can say i guess uh, well and that's so, the thing
1: like when it like who knows how this game will do maybe again like it's gonna be blow this game is gonna be fucking huge yeah. uh, this
2: this game has like two million wish lists on st- like it is yeah. going to be like i can sit here and poo poo it and also know like it's it's going to be like one of the biggest games of yeah. the year but it feels like um, a game
1: that has to be in order for yes, this to like yes. that's the other thing is like it, it has to hit that scale or else like probably is going to be some problems but i would say like even if you like blow like 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 the bigger game like big story i think it's done better right like yes. i like i tend to fall off assassins creed games of late because life gets in the way they're just like overly long but like in general i'm still kind of engaged by the story right like even the one like people didn't much like um uh, valhalla valhalla it was called valheim uh Val, i didn't much care for like Valhalla as a game in a lot of places but even there I was like yeah Ivor's adventures are kind of interesting like this is Mm -hmm. kind of a cool story and usually each time they're like here's a new here's a new part of the bloat we're going to show you it was kind of interesting right like this is kind of a goofy weird thing to encounter here each time I'm like this is really pedestrian quest writing and I, I like I can't like I just now like Show me the critical path to let me out of here as quickly.
2: Well, as possible. and 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 you also sort of see like the the like there's a handful of quests that are just uh, like one of them is like the 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 brewmaster and he's like, hey man, I make killer fucking IPAs. Like I need to get these to people stat. Could you do that for me? And then there's like three different spots you can pick to do essentially like a like a time trial, like and you and you get more parkour points. Based on um, how fast you do it, where it's not very difficult to get like the bronze medal and then it's you have to know the path pretty well to get the silver and gold. Um, Those sequences seem mostly there to be like, look, we know it's like kind of a grind to get enough parkour points, which you naturally are accruing both through. Mission completions and also just, like, when you do parkour stuff, you're, like, it's getting, you know, you get a little treat, a little experience treat every time you do something, like, climb something or, or shimmy over something. But, like, those time trials, like, yeah, no, of course the narrative stuff is extremely thin because it, just, it really is just there for you to spend 15 minutes, like, grinding your way to another level. It's because the rest of the game isn't isn't giving you that stuff Fast enough, um, yeah, and it's just it just stinks to see us. You you can see a much better game, and may, maybe they get there through, through tweaks. Like this is the kind of game where I can see myself putting it down for six months, and because we've got Elden Ring coming out, yeah. like Horizon Forbidden West is coming out. There's like other stuff that I expect to be more interesting and engaging right off the bat, and. I'm curious to see where where this ends up. Oh, I should Land. say I'll smallest... oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say. And there's one other thing we haven't tried. that We probably like should before we like fully put this game on the shelf. The co-op. multi, Yeah, multiplayer. Like there's an yeah. entire like it, there's all sorts of things where like, are you a brawler? Are you a ranger? Are you a medic? I don't know, but I haven't, I can, fa- I haven't found a compelling re- like a reason to pick between classes. No, not- but no, but like I, but it does sort of hint that like there are things where, man, if Patrick, Robin, Cotto were playing this together, right. like there'd be all sorts of like fun stuff they could go do, hmm. um, like maybe some of those like really dangerous zones we'd all go mm-hmm. in there and like have a little zombie adventure, uh, you know, that's that's one area where this could like. I could see it singing without us knowing it yet. Uh, just cause we haven't experienced it. They were even, oh, look, look, as part look of the review guidelines, at, they didn't even turn it on until like, yeah, last day or so. very, very late on.
2: Uh, but well, that's the thing, right? Like co-op makes like raises the floor of anything. Um, and so I, I could easily see this being a game that like, as a thing you and I were doing while just like chatting about like the Super Bowl, would be like, inc- like incredibly fun. And like, the fact that the writing was poor wouldn't matter because we're off just doing goofy shit because we're kind of creating our own scripting at events that just are not present or interesting in the, the, the base level game. Um, uh, the, the last point I'll leave us on is, uh, I mean, this game looks pretty crummy on, on PS five. I've, I've heard the PC version is like really nice and pretty, pretty well optimized. Uh, the con, the console versions don't, I watched like the digital Foundry version or video to confirm my suspicions. Like, is this, does this look like shit or is it like just me? <laughs> and like the performance mode on PS5 like runs at 1080p and lo- looks like it has no ray tracing, <laughs> which is fine, that's usually like relegated to a resolution or a quality mode depending on how they want to parse those things, but boy, they really had to sacrifice some things to get this to run at 60 FPS, which is this is a game where you really do I'm not a huge frame rate guy, but like th- this game running fast feels if not critical like at least high in importance for it to like feel um the way they want you to feel it and
1: to get there on console uh it's well, uh and it's I mean, not great even like there's a case where um also like cyberpunk vibes a little bit when i would turn dlss off and was just like okay let's not use the like nvidia uh, like proprietary thing. Let's I finally see, like, get to do that. I finally get to do that now, Rob. I am so excited. Oh, I'm wow. excited for it too. You will, and you will come to like prepare yourself for the weird qualities of DLSS. Like it is, it is an odd, like it is an odd looking thing. Um, mm-hmm. And that, like, but when I would turn it off, when it's like, look, just, just render, do all the calculations here internally, like old, old fashioned. No, that's not happening. <laughs> this game is not going to do that. Uh, it's going to run like mud, uh, and so like like you turn off DLSS, and you're doing the thing where it's like, what features can I turn off? What what textures are you mad at? Oh, what can lighting? I turn the shadows down to medium? Yeah, will yeah. be fine. What am I doing? Why are you Why are you acting this way? Uh, DLSS is like you know you can have a decently smooth experience, still a bit like, still a bit like chuggy but it like works and and mind you i'm not playing this in 4k i'm playing this on my like widescreen monitor still a fraction of 4k resolution and even there like if i turn off like dlss all hell breaks loose hmm. uh my computer begins to sound like a hair dryer
3: so <laughs> Does it, you know doesn't widescreen doesn't that I mean, change that, your field of view in a way where you're seeing more game the and therefore rendering higher, more right? things,
1: right? Yeah. So, I mean, but I think Kato's speaking to you're rendering more in an area of interest right. that's going to be complicated. Like, if it were taller, you're getting more sky and ground, which tend to be simple to render. Right. But if you go widescreen, right. you're rendering it's more, more like. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Less, um, less <laughs> frustum sculling or whatever the word frustum is for that is. Frustrum culling. Culling. Yeah, that
1: one. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so uh that might be part of it but like i i don't know like a lot of games like really perform well at this resolution uh-huh. with this hardware and like this one is just like nvidia or bust nvidia or prepare to be punished cool. so uh, like heads up about that too Yeah. uh so yeah i think that's gonna do it for me on today's show. I've got to head over to the launcher's uh daily show to talk about uh video game consolidation with Nathan Grayson and Kotaku's uh Ethan Ethan Gatch. So I'm gonna head over and do that. And I don't know, I'm probably gonna continue to poke at Dying Light uh a little bit, but review season like not review season, but release season is picking up. Yeah, and it's very so, busy like, right now. February's got a lot going. Dying Light had its window. Dying Light was like, I'm the most interesting game in the world right now. Check it out. And I was like,
3: I don't know. Pokemon came out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's true. Pokemon ended my Dying Light window. I was like, I read, I read Kato's review, and I was like, damn, I need to get aboard that Arceus. (laughs) Arceus. Arceus. Sorry.
3: No, it's you're right. I know, I know. I refuse, I know. I refuse to I be right because they used to say Arceus, but they changed it because it sounds like Arse.
1: Well, and then, yeah, and, and then also Latin rules. Anyway, uh, I'm going to peace out. You guys get to the bottom of all that uh, and talk to you next week. Bye, Rob. Right,
2: uh, all right. So, well, you must be playing more Pokemon, right?
3: Oh, absolutely. That's.
2: Well, I guess since we last talked, your yeah. uh, review went up on uh, where I wish. Rob is trying to get me in trouble here. He at one point, yeah, called my Dying Light uh, piece a launch day impressions, and then later <laughs> called it a review. Uh-huh. Not. <laughs> I am someone who like more or less subscribes to the uh, you should beat it, but I don't think uh, I don't think it's a requirement. But I do, I do, I would do my I do my best to do that if I'm going to write something yeah. that is meant to be like here is the take on the whole thing. And I think what. You and I, you get you're closer to a review than this Dying Light 2 yeah, uh, piece yeah. that I did, but you did uh write something uh uh called Pokemon Legends uh oh, oh no Arceus. did I say that right this yeah. time? Or is it I mean okay. is nearly the it game It depends. You Are
3: you asking me or Nintendo? Because <laughs> if you're asking, I'm asking Nintendo Arceus
2: Arceus. The Pokemon Legends Arceus is nearly the game I've dreamed about since nineteen. 98, which kind of like summarizes, you know, your thoughts, broadly halfway through the game when you, when you wrote that, I don't know where you've progressed since since writing that.
3: Technically, I know it's exactly three-fifths through the game. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Based on the Pokédex? No, based on, um, uh, bosses. I know how many Got bosses okay. they actually even mark it in your like save screen, so you can kind of see what your progress is like. I, lo- I love
2: uh, like... as you know when I review a game, yeah, uh, where you get to the point where you're given like the MacGuffin. That's like, <laughs> oh, you have like four of these to fill. It's like, cool. All right, so I can start doing some basic math yeah. on like how much longer I, have, <laughs> I yeah. have left in the game.
3: Um, I have yeah, I've kept playing it. It's still very good. Uh, this game, uh has one of my gaming cardinal sins, which is putting good movement options too far into the game. (laughs) Um... Oh, so basically, Oh, just basically <laughs> yeah. echoing what we were talking about yeah. with Dying Light. It's not as bad because essentially the movement options in this game are just, you get some Pokemon that you can ride and they can traverse different things or do different mm-hmm. things. So the first one you get is this deer Pokemon. It can run real fast. It can jump higher than you. I mean, you can't jump as a, when you're just a human for some reason. You have no jump button. You just have a dodge. Um, mm-hmm. But it can run and it can jump. You know, it gives you some extra verticality to get onto some, like, uh, cliff sides that you couldn't otherwise. Then there's a bear that doesn't jump, but it digs for treasure. It's got, like, a treasure-sensing, like, little mini-game, so you could get uh, uh, crafting supplies and things that are a little rare. And hidden tablets with poems on it, which is neat. I don't know, like, I keep finding these verses. They're they're cool. Um, You got a fish. Obviously, the fish goes in water. Uh and then the one i just unlocked is essentially a cliff climber like you can climb up cliffs like like breath of the wild style basically but without uh without without stamina but yeah like anything any vertical surface is now climbable by this pokemon it it, it wears a little backpack and you get into the backpack uh, which is very funny because all you see of your character are two like eyeballs po- like looking out from the dark of this little like um basically a wheat woven basket with a top on it um, and it's just like I'm like hour 30 into the game and like now this is unlocking and like it's just it was one of the more frustrating things about exploring certain areas it's like the angles of hills look like you could you could probably walk up that and like your character starts to mm-hmm. walk up that and then halfway up it starts to slow down and then you slide down to the bottom and you're like well shit okay I can't, I can't go that way but when i was like off in the distance i thought i could go this way and like that's one of that was one of the small frustrations of it's just like they don't signal very well what isn't isn't traversable just on foot um and i feel like that having this power earlier would have helped a lot um apart from that though uh i've run into story wise um kind of my first uh moment of someone being like one of the tribes being like hey don't do this uh which i expected was coming at some point because essentially what you're doing is you're Stopping these Pokemon that they kind of revere, called noble Pokemon, from rampaging. They've gotten, they've gone, uh, fi- uh, frenzied by, they got struck by lightning, and nobody knows mm-hmm. why or who's doing, like what is going on. But they know that you learn early on that if you just throw its food, its favorite foods at it, it will calm down and stop being frenzied. Um, but most of the way along the the story so far, it's been the people who normally kind of interface with these Pokemon. They're called Wardens being like, "Ah, I need help. Like, what do we do? I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And then you being like, I have an idea, uh, despite me being completely new to this world land. And I'd like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't we why don't you just mash up its food and throw it into a ball and then I'll throw it at it you'll do that okay sure i guess we'll try that doesn't sound like it'll work and it ends up working um but nobody ever like there, there's like been very few kind of questionings of like if we if this lightning which is coming out of a time portal that lives over a mountain mm-hmm. and if that time portal is like our pokemon gods like portal to his realm are should we be like uh questioning what he's doing or stopping this like is this just like supposed to be part of the natural way of things or are we like going against our pokemon god's wishes by not frenzying these people and it's always been kind of like oh hey so there's a po there's can a- you
2: explain this pokemon god yeah.
3: situation well i mean that's just the god of the pokemon world is a pokemon uh, but it, so is it just that you can? But when we say God, is it just like no? This I is mean, the first Pokemon and no, use some I magic mean, to make like the spiritual situation. I mean, the the God that created the universe, like the mm-hmm. reason the universe exists, was a Pokemon. Is a Pokemon? Yeah, Arceus is a so Pokemon. So humans are
2: created because of Pokemon.
3: Yeah, the whole world, everything, matter, time, space. There's a time and space wow. Pokemon. They like the the like. The, the the Pokemon cosmology goes Arceus at the very top, and then you go down a mm-hmm. level to Dialga and Palkia, which are time and space, and then it kind of splits off into different uh like elements and stuff like Pokemon that kind of uh, control or create all of the different. So matters why did the Pokemon energies- God create?
2: create humans to enslave as other creations. I'm very... I'm, it I'm, doesn't uh,
3: make sense! <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I don't, um, the uh, in Pokemon has never made sense, but for some reason, the creator of this world had to be a Pokemon mm-hmm. that you can catch.
2: Oh, that's... Inc- oh, right.
3: Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, you can catch Arceus.
0: And it's just Which one. Also, like, also Arceus, God.
3: Arceus is definitely like Ark Jesus... Arx- right Arxious together mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> japanese rpgs love their their jesus references
2: yeah. that that is that that is that is the tale as old as, as old as time
3: um and i think this and this is this is um diamond and pearl like back in what was it 2010s or something when those came out that's what introduced this like final bit of the cosmology of pokemon um and so this this game takes place in that exact same area, just in a different in an earlier time. Um anyways, I've gotten the f- I've hit a section where for the first time one of the tribes members is like, actually, no, I don't want you to do this. Like, I don't want you to unfrenzy the frenzied Pokemon. I believe that this is a sign from God, and God is going to like God wouldn't have done this without a reason. Mm-hmm. And you're given no like real agency or choice, but what the character wants to do is to go continue their like quest to unfrenzy all these Pokemon. Just like you and one other tribe member, cause there's two tribes, right? There's the clan, two clans, uh, Pearl clan and diamond clan. Diamond clan is like, don't touch this guy. We're good. The, you have a pro clan person with you who's like, but, Can't you see that they're, they're like, obviously not in, uh, they're not good. They're not okay. Like the, the Pokemon are like getting hurt or something. Like, I don't know. We don't know actually what's happening to them at all, but it seems bad because they're like, you know, flailing around and stuff. And it turns out that that guy, the Pearl clan guy is also like your, I guess, spoilers. I should mark this. Uh, if nobody, if you want to completely avoid what's going on in this game, but that person's also from the future. He's from mm. an earlier another from a Pokemon game. He just had amnesia when he came through the hole, but we didn't. We remember everything. Um, oh, well, that's convenient. <laughs> yeah, but he he gets adopted by the Pearl Clan basically when he lands out out through the time portal, and this does this does two things. First is like. Okay, like we're not really gonna contend with whether or not like there is a there is a way to coexist with the Pokemon in this new form. We're just assuming that it's bad and we're gonna do what this quest that we sent out to set out to do from the beginning. Um, which is expected for a Pokemon game. There usually isn't a lot of nuance in like story decisions. But right. the idea of this guy coming through the hole and getting picked up by the clan was absolutely was one of the things that I was like this is what this game could have been. They love to make two versions of the same game, <laughs> like that's just what Pokemon is. There's always two of them. This one only has one, which fine, only make one. But like, I am Im- <laughs> I like I love to imagine what a better Pokemon could be, and one of the ones in this is like, oh, we should have been one of the clan members. Um, right. it's really weird because the the people that you end up with, uh, team team galactic in the original diamond and pearl that was those were the villains they were team galaxy mm. in in the in the localization in the american localization but in the japanese version the names are exactly the same but in this one they're 100% presented straight as like they're just okay people coming here to like make a new life in a new land you know um mm-hmm. and it's just like It's like, there's all these small, tiny, what feel like unforced errors in the choices made along the way about what this game is and how it like plays out as far as its narrative that, Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's not gonna, it hasn't like completely ruined the experience. It's just like, you were so close, (laughs) you're so close to like greatness, (laughs) um, Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I am. I'm still frustrated with the story, but, uh, still really enjoying the way that they've set up a lot of the, all of the mechanics and like really, you know, getting my ass kicked by a random Pokemon is still fucking hilarious. They've really, I feel like emphasized and super like supersized how dangerous shit is. This is great. Hold on, let me send you this video super quick. I have this great uh, video. Of- I
2: mostly, have, I mostly enjoyed watching on on Twitter as people share the discovery of the different interactions. Yeah. like the Pokemon have when they're like in the village setting, and you like kind of just let them chill, and they like are like chattering and playing with one another. Like, there's all, all that stuff has been really uh, neat. Uh, all right, I'm yeah. looking at this video.
3: I wish, yeah. So again, I get into a fight with a. Thing, and then it does this, it does hyper, hyper Beam, which is like one of the strongest moves in Pokemon ever. Oh my God, you got
2: your ass kicked.
3: I thought I died. I straight up thought I was dead. That explosion was so big. I wasn't even that close to my Pokemon and I still got hit by it.
2: Well, that octopus didn't hesitate either. Nah. It's like, I'm going to <laughs> fuck this guy up. I'm
3: going to destroy you. Um... And that part is still really fun. There's still uh, been really surprising and fun uh, moments like that where it's just like, oh, of course, this is one of the most powerful moves in the Pokemon games. It's gonna be like huge and bombastic when you see it play out in like to scale. Um, And yeah, it's like so much of the like physics, I guess or like the physical that's not physical because it's fucking Mm -hmm. a game but you know what i mean so much of the physical aspects of this game are really great of the the pokemon and their reactions the way that they've animated moves the way that they've set up all those systems uh about like hiding and capturing things while they're unawares and uh, battling Pokemon in groups and all the sorts of things that can happen in the open world is like phenomenal. And then fucking, I just like every time I get to a new story beat, I'm like, how are they gonna, how are they gonna fuck this up this time? Let's go. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's. I'm looking
2: forward to see. Uh, well, so you're thinking, what, you think what got like ten, ten, fifteen hours left? left yeah, it, something probably? like that.
3: I'll probably, if uh, I like really stick my, which like, I don't know. I don't think there's anything coming in this, coming in this weekend. So, uh, I'll probably be able to No, we, I can, I, week, I can so. say I,
2: I, I do not have access to Elden Ring yet. So, and that's not, that's, I think that's what you were suggesting. Uh, I, like, I don't
3: think have happening you this week.
2: I have not, I mean, it could, look, between the recording of this and now, uh, when this is released, I may not i I might not have even answered that question right because I would not I was not supposed to say that I have <laughs> access to it sometimes when you get sometimes I mean games are distributed in tiers right. basically where like public you know publishers sort of uh target for the biggest games like this is less true for independent stuff, but for biggest games it's like oh these are the the press we want to get access to it sooner yada yada and sometimes they'll ask like please don't tell. Your colleagues that you have it so they won't complain to us that they didn't get a, get a <laughs> um, but I can say I am I'm under no obligation to say one was anything one way or the other because I, I as of 255 I there is no well <laughs> it's coming soon I have to imagine yeah. I don't say that because I know they, it's coming soon well they
3: said it went gold so long ago what's <laughs>
2: uh, um, I expect I expect that I would not be shocked if it was tomorrow Um, but we'll God or t- today when when this comes out so um uh briefly before we uh jump to the to the question bucket for a little bit um i uh, got a chance to play a demo of uh Amina the Hollower the new game oh that uh, a development from uh Yacht Club Games the developers of uh Shovel Knight uh they uh, just launched a Kickstarter which is really just a pre-order <laughs> campaign <laughs> right i mean they've said explicitly that They are broadly funding the game themselves, and the Kickstarter is is both a way to like get a physical copy of the game, and also to indicate to uh, uh, yacht club like what kind of expansion they could do to the project beyond what they're funding on their own. Totally understand if people are like not even ambivalent, but are hostile to the fact that they're on Kickstarter because Kickstarter is getting into some NFT bullshit, Mm -hmm. talking about moving their entire Kickstarter project to the blockchain for reasons that don't seem to make
1: like sense. your website works
2: fine. Your website did, your website did what it was supposed to, like yeah. I don't understand why the blockchain has to be involved. Um, so, you know, I, I, I get that. Um, but, uh, so uh, Mina the Hollower is a top down action adventure game. Very reminiscent of a Link's Awakening. Um Hell yeah. uh, It's, there's a, uh, some strong Zelda vibes from, Mina the Hollower, um, I got a chance to play, uh, I didn't get to finish the demo, but uh, I played about like 45 minutes. Uh, you play this little I guess mouse?
3: Uh, I don't know. Looks like a me. mouse. Uh,
2: you play as Mina, a whip-wielding hollower, so maybe they're inventing their own animal uh, here, but it's kind <laughs> of like a mouse rabbit uh, sort of thing, uh, which is because like one of the main mechanics is that you can burrow under the ground. Um, so It's a uh, top-down action game. You can, like I said, you can burrow. You've got this kind of like whip kind of chain thing that you can can hit forward. Um, And the burrowing like comes into play in terms of exploration where you're using that to find secrets and navigate around. You like you jump up out of the burrowing like you spit out. So like you can, for example, uh, like dodge under an enemy, get over to a gap and shoot out of that gap with um the velocity that, that comes from the burrowing and you know you can equip items that like incre- like let you burrow longer um you can use that to dodge around different obstacles um i don't have a ton to say about it because it was just sort of a si- tiny sliver it looks gorgeous um the, i think they've said that they're aiming for what if a game boy color but with today's technology sort, sort of uh vibe and it very much. It's like a Game Boy Color game wouldn't be at 60 frames a second. And like that aesthetic looks fucking sick at 60 FPS. Um, Hell yeah. uh, So I don't know know how far this game is. Well, I guess I could see. What does the Kickstarter say? Pledge, digital game, December 2023. So it's like, you know, uh, almost two years off, all all told. Um, But uh, plays really well. Like it quite a bit. Um, I got to admit that I'm... I don't. I cannot speak to this with any authority, but like they've been hiring a lot of 3D artists, so huh. I, I I wonder if this is not actually the the big main project that uh, Shovel Knight is or uh, uh, Yacht Club is working on. This you know speculation has been you know okay they they made an NES game, which Shovel Knight. Do, where do they go from here? Do they go to 16-bit or do they jump all the way to you know n64 3D, right. 3D, 3D era and and do something with that? And so. I don't see much evidence of what you need three artists for here. Yeah,
1: it doesn't um, look.
2: But e- even
3: it, a lot of sprite work, a lot of uh, you know, it's a lot of sprite work. It's, you
2: know, it's it's very much what they they, they you know uh, had going on, like just really detailed, well animated, yeah, uh, sprite work uh, going on here. Like that is that is that is well maintained here. It's a it, it, look. If if this is all they're making, if this is their big ne- next project, that great. Like this looks awesome. Um, but I. <laughs> I, I sort of suspect that maybe they've got something else going on. So I don't think that demo is available. It is very playable. So I wouldn't be shocked if that became something they uh, yeah, released I was at
3: su- some point. Kind of surprised just looking at the state of some of the the videos and stuff that still that far off. You know, they show yeah. they show like a lot in like these trailers that they're they're posting.
2: It feel like the the slice that I played, maybe it's just a very polished, you know, as they say, vertical slice of right. like this is what we want the entire game to to feel like. I mean, it, you get an exploration section, you get a uh, like a whole dungeon leading to a boss. I didn't make it to that boss, um, but uh, uh, <sighs> yeah, it's just a really sharp, really good playing game. Not at all what I would have expected this developer to work on next, and right. um, that's always a pleasant surprise when you get completely taken aback by. Um, Something that uh studio that you like is working on something really cool. So, yeah, that's uh, Mina the, the Hollower um, coming sometime late next year. Uh, let's jump into the bucket. Okay, so this first one uh, comes in from, oh, shoot. Let me I didn't attribute the name. It's a follow-up to a previous email about the person who asked about which X-Men should cook you food. Damn it, where... Okay, look in here. Go on. Oh, okay, here we go. Find it. So this came from... I want to read this email again. Great. I want, I want people to go on the journey, which is... Uh, this comes from Jacob. Uh, this is originally... We answered this with Natalie... And, and Kato and myself uh, last week, week ago. The masses need to know, who is your favorite X-Men character? Which X-Man would you most like to make you dinner? Which X-Man would you absolutely not let make dinner for you? Thank <laughs> you for your time. Follow-up. I literally cannot parse that last sentence. Not let make you dinner? I have no idea. English is garbage. And my takeaway from that, my collective takeaway was like, oh, you know, maybe English not the first language of Jacob mm. and what he's realizing is it's a shitty... Contradictory language that doesn't make a lot of sense. Very reasonable. I think we all all agreed. Well, Jacob wrote in again. Accountability post. English is in fact my first and only language. <laughs> I sent the email after a full day of essay writing as my uh motifinal? I don't know. Do you know what that modafinil was wearing, was wearing off? Um, and I think words just stopped happening. Also, English is garbage. Well, we're still in agreement. We're all we're all the way there. Uh for what it's worth, Glob is the only X Men you should accept food from. Um, Kato, I'm gonna show you. Glob? Blob.
3: Hello. Oh my god.
2: Um, this is a uh, an image has been pasted to. Oh my god. Kato myself of a. I mean, like, um, if you've seen the movie The Blob, or like, you know, like the big pink gelatin slime thing, imagine that. But there's a skeleton inside. Like, you could see the skeleton inside the blob. It has a vaguely humanoid shape. Um, also, there are intestines. Yeah. Working. No
3: lungs. No. But
2: intestines. And an eye. eye like, a, bi- a big eye. Not in on the, the socket. Forehead yeah. And not in the sockets. Um,
3: uh.
1: Uh.
2: I am going to look up blob X-Men. Wiki. And, oh, importantly, this... Uh, this piece of art um, has uh, blob proposing that someone eat some food they made. So, are they
3: okay. some yaksa? Um, I'm looking up yaksa. Look
2: at look at this. Uh, or laksa? Is it laksa? Is that an L? Yeah, this this person has got to have glob has got to be a food boy, Ooh. and there are two eyes. Um, laksa
3: is a spicy noodle dish popular in Southeast Asia.
2: Sounds delicious. Uh the young mutant, Robert Herman, Earth 616. The young mutant, this is from the the, the Marvel section <laughs> of fandom.com. Oh no. The young mutant named Glob Herman has a skin that is completely transparent and made up of bio paraffin or living wax, leaving his skeleton exposed. Uh. Though he lives with other mutants, Glob Herman easily stands out. You know, no shit. He now runs with the New Mutants' uh, origin story: Glob uh, Herman grew up with a father who hated mutants and a mother who supported their family. When Glob mutated, his father started. Oh, when Glob mutated, his father started lashing out at him, treating him as a target to take his anger on. Then one night, his mother snuck him out of the house and drove him to Westchester and left him there after Professor X was publicly revealed to be a mutant. Um, Important note: That doesn't explain why is he a. What's the
3: Glob? Uh, Important to note the here, f- the, the the eyeballs actually have eyeball tendrils going into the skull, even though mm. they are much higher. Like you can see in the second one that you had sent, you can see that bit much clearer, which is fun. Uh,
2: why? Bob Herman's body is made up of a... Bo- blah.
3: This wax is
2: highly flammable, allowing him to light himself on fire. He can also fling bits of himself.
3: Hmm. <laughs> why? I why there are certain organs that are here we've got eyeballs we've got in, intestines, yep. but then mm-hmm. that's it. everything else is transparent, and you can see his skeleton yeah, I don't get it um i'm uh, apparently I'm he's a good insight. cook, though he's got food in both of these pictures, and it looks yeah i'm, gonna, I'm looks good if
2: uh, the if an x could write in. Give us some more further context on the constant food association with (laughs) Ol Ol Herman over here, please. uh,
3: Someone at,
2: please let us know.
3: (laughs) Someone at uh, At, Matty Myers. Yeah, well,
2: yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I guess that might be where we get it from.
3: Uh, This comes in from
2: Keith. This is for you, Kato. This Bungie just got bought by Sony and Destiny is a Got bought by Sony and Destiny is a franchise in which I have spent approximately five thousand. Hours. What do you think your hour count is at? This is me asking, not the.
3: I'm um, definitely are floating around the three to three okay. or four thousand.
2: Uh, I decided to ask a gun question. Was your favorite gun you have looted slash used in a game, and why? My favorite gun to loot was Year One Gallahorn Gallahorn, yeah, uh, which I got yeah. in Year Three, uh, whilst dead at Atheon in Vault of Glass. My favorite gun to use, however, is the rocket launcher from Unreal Tournament '99. Because it was such a versatile weapon, it felt chonky, but responsive. It had a secondary... Chunky is a good word. Mm-hmm. Had a secondary firing mode where you accumulated multiple rockets and shot them out in a volley. You, you could not be more correct, Keith. That, that weapon in UT99 did fucking rule. Uh, I played a ton of hours of TTS Face. I think that's Facing Worlds, the best multiplayer map of all time. <laughs> with low gravity and rockets only. Oh, the fun we had without loot, battle passes, microtransactions, or XP grind. Cheers for Toronto, Canada. Keith. Um... Huh. I'm just gonna agree with him on the on the on the UT ninety nine weapon yeah. front. The nail gun from Quake One, also Ooh. extremely satisfying. Uh what is your favorite Destiny weapon?
3: Oh god. I mean there's so there's too many. I mean I think yeah. I think I always hold dear in my heart an original launch uh hand cannon. That really kinda clicked into my mind what like hand cannons were all about in Destiny called The Devil You Know, which became a kind of like long running gag in uh Destiny, where after they started kind of getting rid of some of the older weapons or trying to make new versions of them, we then got uh the devil you don't later. Um, and then eventually in Destiny 2 we get better devils. Uh, and it's just like, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, legendary weapon, which means it's like kind of like your baseline weapon. It's not an exotic. It doesn't have anything particularly special about it, except that it's just, uh, the, its rate of fire was perfect. It like re kind of, um, it, it, it had that really good feel where it kicks really hard, but then the rate at which it like the gun comes back down and you're ready to shoot your next shot has a really satisfying, like. Uh, rhythm and cadence to it that felt really Mm -hmm. good um it's just like a a perfect workhorse weapon that i used all through destiny 1 uh i don't like better devils in destiny 2 unfortunately but the fate bringer in destiny 2 kind of has a similar cadence going for it um i think however i do have to shout out uh one exotic weapon the risk runner a pretty uh Mm. you know Uh, everyone gets it nowadays they they added it to a quest for any new player uh which i think is great because it's one of the better exotics out there uh it uh it's an smg that rips through uh enemies and whenever you get hit by a specific uh by electricity like any arc uh damage you gain a shield and then all of your shots start arc arc will will uh what's the word I'm spread electricity to other nearby enemies. And it just feels so good to just like take out six enemies by killing one of them. And the electricity just kind of spreads through the whole group. It's, it's beautiful. I love the risk runner. It's a, it's a wonderful gun.
2: Uh, that sounds very good. Uh, this goes from Cody, from Australia, Patrick, Hey, Waypoint crew. Patrick expressed surprise in a recent podcast. The idea that formula one racing also had a formula Two. I still contend. That's Amazing.
3: On that note, sequel to Formula I One,
2: wonder, <laughs> Formula <laughs> Formula Two Origins, <laughs> Formula One. Uh, on that note, I wonder if you knows the name origin of the video game series F Zero. I do not. I'm going to look that up now. Uh, let's see, F Zero,
3: like the game F Zero.
2: Is it just saying Formula Zero? Is I that guess. I guess that's what they're. I guess, I guess that's, that's the implication.
3: That would be amazing. That would make sense because there's like uh, the fastest cars that are the fastest vehicles that have ever been raced in the galaxy or whatever, right? <laughs> I'm not actually super uh, knowledgeable of any of the F-Zero lore, but... I guess w- it doesn't...
2: It's just, formu- yeah, it's just uh, Formula... Yeah, it's just... Formula Zero. Formula Zero. There's no There's funny. no other like fancy... That's good. Uh man. That's good. I never put that together. Yeah,
3: no, me either. Until just. Well, because I wouldn't
2: have assumed there was a formula two. Right. Now there's a formula two.
3: The numbers (laughs) could go in any direction. Anyway, formula negative one. (laughs) That'll be the next one. Uh, Cody,
2: thank you for bringing that to my attention. That's a. Amazing. Delightful piece of trivia to to now know. Uh, Tom from New Jersey. Highway pointers. While idly browsing gaming sites the other day, I made a weird discovery. The PlayStation RPG Shadow Madness is getting a Steam re-release in two weeks, published by Bleem. Yes, Bleem. This is a side note. If you don't know what Bleem, Bleem is, Bleem was a uh, company known primarily, and this is why they're going Bleem. Yes, Bleem. During the uh, Dreamcast era, they attempted to release a, quote, legal emulator for, <laughs> I believe, PlayStation 1 uh, games for the... Uh, for the Dreamcast, where you could—boy, I forget how it worked. Um, I believe it was where you could insert a disc of a game you owned, and it like the Bleem software would somehow. Okay, I'm re- I'm reading this now. Uh, da, da, da. Bleem was a commercial PlayStation emulator re- released with the Bleem company for PCs and Dreamcast. It was notable for being one of the few commercial software emulators to be aggressively marketed during the emulated console's lifetime, and was the center of multiple. Controversial lawsuits. Uh, Bleem was a PlayStation emulator designed to allow people to play the original PlayStation games on the PC Dreamcast gaming consoles. The Dreamcast version was called Bleemcast. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Da, da, da. Okay. Originally, Bleem was planned to have the disc be able to run any PlayStation game on the Dreamcast. But due to technical difficulties, it developed the concept of the Bleem Pack, in which the software would boot only 100 specific games each. New Bleem Packs would have to be purchased if one game was not available to boot in a Bleem Pack. Due to Dreamcast controllers fewer buttons compared to the PlayStation were plans to release a Bleem controller somewhat similarly designed to the PlayStation <laughs> controller and a PlayStation Dream, Dreamcast controller adapter which will allow one to use a PlayStation controller on the Dreamcast. As technical difficulties grew all these ideas were scrapped and no Bleem pack and no hard releases. However, they managed to release individual Bleemcast boot discs for three popular games. Gran Turismo 2, Tekken 3, and Milligar Solid. Oh my God. WWE of Smackdown was also being planned for release but was not completed while a couple of screenshots of Final Fantasy Nine surfaced uh, during this time, but were never announced as a plan released. As promised for the game, the games ran at a six hundred and forty by four eighty resolution, as opposed to the PS One's three hundred and twenty by two two hundred and forty, and featured anti-aliasing and bilinear filtering. This drastically improved the game's graphics, but also brought the graphical imperfections they were originally hidden in in low resolution. So, to give you an example, Caldo, amazing. This is. I, I just think they, they had like E three, um, uh, booths where they they were like showing this off. I, I remember I believe that the Blame booth was like. Kitty Corner from the Nintendo booth, which is also like <laughs> Sega when they were a hardware company, <laughs> yeah. had so they were basically out there just like trolling. Um, oh, that's very funny. But if you look, like the top ones the PS1 and the ones that like that looks cool as shit like yeah. back before you had emulators that. that were doing all sorts of, you know, uh work. Um I mean so emulators did exist, but uh most people did not have computers capable of running like a PlayStation. Uh what uh happened to them? They got sued into oblivion, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because Uh... if you're going to rebuy something, well, the industry would prefer it if you paid for them. Um, Anyway, so that's just an aside to set up why uh, Tom from New Jersey was being like, bleem! Shadow Madness, if you don't, I can't, why is that brand still around? Okay, Patrick, mark away has anyone done a feature about how, why Bleem is still a brand in 2022? Shadow Madness, if you don't remember, was a mediocre RPG that was super hyped as the West's answer to Final Fantasy VII. It was probably forgotten because it wasn't anywhere near as good as Final Fantasy VII. As it turns out, Pico Interactive, a company that specializes in obscure retro releases, including Super 3D... Noah's Ark, 40 Winks, and even Radical Rex got the Bleem trademark. Oh, you're doing this feature for me. And is using <laughs> it now. I guess because people remember them even if it's mainly because they got sued into Oblivion. Wow. Well, did we just use the same term? Yeah, I had not wow. read that far into the wow. email. But Tom from New Jersey and I are on the same page. This got me thinking. What other defunct and infamous brands do you think might next book will be Make a comeback someday? Also, are there any other uh, older games you know weren't very good but are you happy to see a re-release of anyway? My answers are Titus, uh, they were awful, but hey, people remember them. And the aggressively mediocre Hunt for Red October SNES game I played too wow. much as a kid.
3: Oh hold my on. god! Hold on, hold Rob on,
2: is going to play the Hunt for Red October SNES game <laughs> yeah. at some point. I am announcing this upcoming with-
0: him here. Thanks to Waypoint
2: Plus, Rob will be we'll able play. to play Hunt for Red October the next time we do I a live. A, I
3: have a Bleem date, Bleem update, Bleem date. Yeah. They didn't lose the lawsuit. They won? They won. Sony had accused Bleem of engaging in unfair competition by allowing PlayStation Biosys to be used on personal computer as this Mm -hmm. would ultimately damage Sony's sales of the PlayStation. The judge had rejected the notion and issued a protective order to, quote, protect David from Goliath. (laughs) Like, they won. Apparently, Bleem had to close... Because they had to spend all their money fighting the, these cases. The yeah, well, that's all.
2: So, yes, did they win the lawsuit? <laughs> yes. Did they lose the lawsuit? Yes. Um, uh, because they won under fair use. Yeah. Well. Bleam,
3: yeah. Okay. There was a second uh, allegation use of screenshots and advertisements on the native uh, and emulated Bleem versions. The district court held in favor of Sony. Uh, and issued a preliminary preliminary injunction. Bleem appealed the uh, providing their use of copyrighted material was protected under fair use. The appeal was successful, with the court court stating the use of screenshots of Sony's video games rather constituted cons- constituted comparative advertising, right? Like against you know their products, ours is better. So that wasn't technically copyright infringement. Uh, amazing just and then that's that's it. they had to uh go out of business and auction their possessions on eBay.
2: <laughs> Incredible. I remember uh this this game Shadow Madness. I I I put a link to the Steam uh page in our in our chat uh but yeah, this was pitched as like all right. Man what? squares good at those RPGs, but here we come. The rest of the world is, oh is going to make one of these two. Uh, and Shadow Madness was an extremely bad uh, video game. Uh, the one I remember is this more... Active, uh, this is
3: active time battle with no bars. <laughs> it doesn't even... Uh, what is happening? <laughs> wow, they're they just straight up cribbing. Mm-hmm. These little chibis look like fucking Final Fantasy Seven chibis. Yeah. Uh, uh, the game I, I <laughs> remember
2: uh more than Shadow Menace is this other game called Jade Cocoon um which was again also another uh this was made in Japan um but like this was like in the the wake of hey uh, let's make a lot of games like Final Fantasy VII, um and so that you ended up getting a ton of a ton of stuff like that as people tried to cash in on JRPGs suddenly becoming extraordinarily popular outside of Japan. Um, I don't know if I played Jade Cocoon. I feel like I did, but I can't remember specifically. Anyway, I still need to find, like, why? Jade Cocoon was
3: developed by Genki in collaboration with mm-hmm. Kat- Katsuya Kondo, character designer for the Studio Ghibli movies, Kiki's Delivery Service, and I Can Hear the sure, Sea, why not? aka Ocean Waves. Amazing. What?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, like this says here, like in April 1999, the US release of Jay Cocoon and its Alpha Sage was previewed in Next Generation as part of the NG Alpha series. I'm pretty sure that's Next Generation was like one of my favorite magazines, like because it was like, oh, this is like an adult. <laughs> like people are treating video games seriously. I mean, I loved EGM, uh-huh. but EGM was like, Fuck a video game room, man! Like, I love video games! Uh, <laughs> We're That snarky. was your tone. Uh, yeah, it was snarky. I, It was, it, yeah, you know, it felt like your buddies talking about video games. And many of those people are, like, good friends of mine. So I'm not, I'm not making fun of their approach. <laughs> Shout-outs to John Riccardi and Phil Theobald and Chris Johnson and Mark McDonald and all sorts of people that are deeply influential on my life and uh, responsible for the career I have today. But... Uh, Next gen was we're like, damn, video games really could be something someday. Uh, so I don't. Th- anyway, I'll get back to Tom from New Jersey's question. It's funny, kind of like what I hear. What I'm thinking. Uh, we'll have to like have some Kings Kingsfield talk right. after you have a chance to play that game in its original controller state. Um, <laughs> maybe we can revisit it on Monday's uh, or Tuesday's podcast um, to get people up to speed on what we've been doing on Twitch. But uh, I w- I I do wish there was like a FromSoft collection that was like, oh Hey,
3: God.
2: uh, not even necessarily like, Hey, let's make them run in high Resin 60. Like, sure. I don't, you know, we're playing Kingsfield, you know, how it was originally published, uh, I mean, <laughs> not entirely true, but, I mean, but like it's like we're not close like, enough. <laughs> it's not a it's not a widescreen, it's not a right. 60, you know, it's like we're not doing any hacks. Like it's it's a clean, it's a clean looking version of what was what was just there yeah. when it was published on the PS2. And I still think it looks great. You know, for for what it is, for what right. it's trying to accomplish. And but especially in a post Dark Souls era where even myself uh Knowing that FromSoft was a studio making things for a long, long time before they hit it big with the Souls games, I think there are so many people that would like have a blast doing what we're doing, checking out Kingsfield Four on the PS2, or going as back as far back as to like the you know Kingsfield games on the PS1, right. all the Armored Core games, uh, Eternal Eternal Ring is another. Uh, from Soft Game that I, I know people think fondly of Evergrace, another From Soft game that people think fondly of. Like those are all from the PS2 era when they were making all these different kind of action uh, adventure games. Uh, it's just a bummer that those games are not widely accessible, and I think there is. I don't know that you could like announce a Kingsfield Four Remaster and like get get hype necessarily, but I think if you put like a Kingsfield Collection, um, that would be awesome, and I, I would just. I I'm obviously, uh, like there's a bit of like recency bias having just played Kingsfield Four, or like, we're, I don't know, a one fifth through Kingsfield Four. uh, I would just, I I, I would, I would, I would, well, you know, like uh, how long to beat said like 25, 30 hours. Okay.
3: Yeah.
2: Our clock says five, but we've probably played more than that from dying and restarting. So, (laughs) you know, I think we've, 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 you know, we're, we're a good chunk into that game. Um, I would love a studio like that who has such a long history that most people aren't aware of Mm -hmm. um, to have a chance to dig back into their catalog in a way that was more accessible than emulators or hooking up a a PS2 and overpaying for games on eBay. Um, So that's my answer. I don't know if you have anything different.
3: No, I I was always like behind on games. (laughs) Uh, I spent a lot of my uh middle and high school years playing SNES games cuz i never had an SNES. Mm-hmm. Uh weirdly enough we had an uh, Atari 2600 that i remember playing Pac-Man on a lot but then didn't get anything else until i got like a N64 very late uh in its life in its lifespan. Um but so like i kind of missed this era in between where like the like uh, like late SNES, early PS1, all that stuff on that side of the like, that is like, where I feel like more of the weird shit was over there than like N64 felt very buttoned up. I mean, there were some weird things, but like, I don't know, Glover? Glover was a game.
2: <laughs> was that on, was that well, on anything they- well They've re-released re- Glover. Yes. Did they really? Yeah, Glover, Glover you can just get on Steam now, uh, I believe uh, that to be the case. God uh, damn
3: it. They already did it. They already did the thing. Oh,
2: acado, <laughs> e- yeah. can I blow your mind like a little bit further? What's up? Like the company the company we're talking about here releasing Shadow Madness Pico Interactive. Yeah. They also released Glover.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's amazing. So, okay, that so game they have plan, was plans
2: plans to Okay, so there's articles about they have plans to re-release Glover on Steam. Did they actually
3: in 2017,
2: do it. Let me load up Steam. Man, Steam applications just—they acquired so fast the on a new, the property from
3: Atari SA. Uh, the company has since stated their intent to produce and re-release Glover for newer platforms. As they as didn't release it yet. Finish and release the N64 version of Glover Two. Wow, they're gonna finish Glover Two, the sequel that got canceled. I didn't even know there was gonna be a sequel that got canceled. I don't think I ever finished um, that game, but it was one of those um uh uh, the like co my mom's co-worker that we would go to after school because my mom had a later shift than her co-worker so she would be home earlier their kids had glover and was one of the ones we played a lot that and uh what's what's that fucking clay fighters that fighting game
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was so that N64 it is- one? Was Clay Fighter sixty-three and a third because it was oh my god. All the other, ga- all the other games that. on N64 <laughs> right, were <where> <laughs> blank sixty-four. <Yeah. laughs>
3: well, there, were, there uh-huh. were, it came out on
2: multiple platforms, but there were, I believe like the N64 one. I'm I think I have this right. So Blockbuster occasionally had exclusive games. It was rare. Yeah. Sometimes there were retail exclusive, like rental exclusive right. games, and I believe Clay Fighter sixty-three and a third. For the N64 was uh uh looking on the,
3: on the on wik- the on the wiki, <laughs> uh an und- updated version entitled Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut. Aha! Was released in 1998 as a blockbuster rental exclusive.
2: Yes. I uh I I quite liked Clay Fighter when it came out because look look at these look at these look cartoons kill yeah. each other. I don't the game was not very Stop good. Stop motion. I
3: don't think clay is great why didn't the, more games needed to use claymation <laughs> uh,
2: uh yeah claymation rules i'm trying to figure out what is the who is the exclusives oh yeah earthworm jim was in this because it was published by uh right interplay
3: bad <laughs> the characters bad mr frosty the fighting snowman just like mm. mr frosty but bad
2: yeah, Sumo <laughs> Santa. I, I definitely Booger, Booger Man. was also in this. Yeah, oh my yep. yeah.
3: All your fr- all your favorites all here. are here. Every- what is the smash phrase? Everyone is here. Oh, oh no, Kung Pao. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. I forgot about this guy. Oh yeah. no. Hey, uh, uh kind of you don't uh, you don't remember
2: <laughs> shit. Uh, I don't remember. I'm not gonna even say his name because so I feel like I'll be canceled, but. <laughs> <laughs> An evil Jamaican witch doctor and master of voodoo, Happy Harry. Hungan has a sinister set of abilities to aid his quest of conquering oh the world with his black magic. Oh Hungan's no. main weapon is his rubber chicken, which he has transformed into a zombie. Hungin also sports a juju staff and a wooden tiki mask to use as a bludgeon or a snowboard. Some of his attacks cause rotting zombie hands to reach out of the ground and grab his opponent. When he enters the battle stage, he then rotates his head around, which is parroting the exorcist. Jesus oh, Christ. fuck. Oh, my God. There was no,
3: I remember this
2: fucking cursed
3: knowledge from my mind. I remember the snowman, the blob and earthworm Jim. Yep. Those were the ones that stuck with me. Those are the ones were like, oh, huh. God, oh. What? no,
2: <laughs> what? I'm going to paste this image to you of that character I just described. <laughs> <laughs> ah! No one, don't look up, don't, don't look. look it up. Don't look up Mungus <laughs> or whatever his name is.
3: Fuck. Okay, so not, not Clay Fighters, I've decided. I'm sure there's nothing problematic in, uh, fucking Glover, Right? Right? <laughs> Right? Can it be worse Can, than this? I don't think so. <laughs> I have no clue. What did people think of Glover? Do you remember?
2: It has it's it has a cult classic status. I didn't okay. play I didn't play it. I, I I like the box art is like impossible to forget, and especially if you had an N64. Yeah. You were desperate you were just like desperate for anything to play on it. So, I'm sure I played it, but I don't I don't remember much about it. It sounds like they were
3: me either, other part, than it was, part. like, very weird, which I enjoyed. Like, just like, yeah. what the yeah. fuck is well, this a mechanic of-, of bouncing on a ball with a hand? Like, what? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, people liked
2: Mario 64, so people made lots of... Yeah, weird uh, platformers. QT, ...gimmicky pl- platformers, and it sounds like, I don't know, as of December 2020, they were teasing a Kickstarter to re-release Glover and um, maybe finish Glover 2, but that none of that seems to... Seems to have happened. So they're you know. waiting.
3: They're waiting until this RIP. this podcast hits. Then they'll know yeah, it's time. Yeah, exactly. This is the ah, this is the, the clover is signal.
2: <laughs> God. Uh, all right. Well, that is going to do it for the podcast. Um, if you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us at Waypoint on Twitter, uh, and at Waypoint Vice on Facebook and YouTube, uh, you and follow us on Twitch at Waypoint. Uh, our theme music is by Bo N. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. You can learn more at waypoint.zone slash uh, Bo You can follow me at Patrick Klupik. Where can people follow you, Cotto.
3: At A underscore Kato underscore appears. I'm very tired.
2: Uh, you were just thinking of you almost, you know, one of these days you're going to say A underscore Coffee, coffee
3: underscore yeah. Appears. I almost <laughs> did. I need kind of needs some more a coffee.
2: underscore yeah. espresso underscore appears. Uh, uh. We, I had a conversation with my wife this morning about, I'm not um, like an espresso person, but I, uh, generally coffee mm. like does it for me. But my youngest was a total piece of shit last night. She just like woke <laughs> up at three in the morning and no. didn't want to go to sleep. And usually you can just sort of like go in entertain her for, like, like uh, hey, I'm going to read you a book, like lay back down, and and then she'll just go back to sleep. She just screaming. So eventually we just had to shut the door and let her work it out um, and put herself back to sleep. But that took, like, nearly two hours. And so woke up this morning and I was like, you know, I, what if we had an espresso machine? <laughs> Which, like, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be great right now. We don't. But uh, when we get an electric, there's, like, a spot that it could go if we like got an electrician to put in an outlet in a very specific spot of our kitchen. You don't need, so. that.
3: You don't need that. Just get a lever. Why? A lever. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think my, I think most likely we're going to want to get like a combo thing, like replace our coffee machine. Right. Wouldn't that be the, is that not the play to just get the no, coffee? No, 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 to no. Maker this, this all will make a
3: better espresso. This will make a better okay, espresso and you don't need electricity. Mm. Look at this shit. Look at this beautiful, uh, you see, it makes, mm-hmm. you you pour in the hot coffee. So you'll need an electric kettle, but that's, you know, better to have one of those than not. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then you just press down. You have little, those little meter there, so you can see how hard you're pressing down. You get the right PSI on that espresso, make a perfectly pulled shot, and you don't need electricity. You don't,
2: like, couldn't I buy a thing where I just press a button?
3: I mean, in theory, if you want to spend <laughs> a lot of money... <laughs> This is this is cheaper than one of those, is what I'm saying. Probably,
2: probably. a good
3: one at least.
2: Yeah, I'm. I, oh, oh, wow! This is already <laughs> yeah. 325 twenty so, five. Yeah. Oh, so you're in, you're implying to me that I'm looking at like the five hundred to seven hundred dollar mile? Okay, well I'd, I'm going to go tell my wife we're <laughs> not getting any
1: espresso <laughs> in the
3: house. And on my head,
2: I thought it was going to be like one hundred and fifty two hundred. Okay, well, I'm sure you so, can okay. find
3: something in that range, but I wouldn't yeah. suggest buying it. <laughs> but like this, uh, Flair Classic is one sixty five. Look at that.
2: Um, there's the most simplest model. Coffee espresso machine. What yeah, people.
3: This one doesn't have the pressure thing, so it's like a little harder to to get right every single time. But
2: okay, good. Kyle, there's there's some decent reviewed ones up here for like two hundred fifty bucks. Ah, I, this like, I, I you know. so if Rob is Rob, if Rob Rob will not listen to this podcast because he was on it, he would be (laughs) fucking losing it right now. Even like the (laughs) supposition that I'd be making. Yeah. uh, See, okay. So this is probably more of what you were thinking. This one is $700. Hold on.
3: Right. This is what I'm saying. uh, That's like, I would trust that at that point. Those are very like fiddly and specifically tuned machines. Uh, this would not
2: fit the space we were thinking
3: about. <laughs> right, like that is that is one of those, like, yeah. That's a big-ass machine. But then That's this, like, this, I is, feel like I'm, uh, this one is small. It's small, portable, doesn't require extra electricity outlets.
2: Oh, look at this, convenient. I don't have... Kato, it's got a PayPal button, but I can just click this pay later button. Yeah. You can just give it to me and I will not pay for it. Yeah. Right? That's how that
3: works. Just click the pay later. Oh, I love not paying for stuff. I love PayPal PayPal classic. PayPal PayPal, Uh, PayPal (laughs) credit.
2: (laughs) PayPal classic. All right, that's going to do it. We'll be uh, back next week uh, with two more podcasts, streams, more Kingsfield, more... What else is happening next week other than Kingsfield. Um, uh,
3: I think we're finally getting around to our waypoint 101 presentations. Yeah, that might be next Friday. Yeah, that'll I be next that, Friday. I oh, uh, at the top of the week, actually, big mm. uh, double stream planned for the new Crusader Kings update. Gita oh, and right. Emily and Rob are going to be checking out Crusader Kings. I forget exactly what the update actually entails, but the streaming embargo will be up Monday, so I believe Monday afternoon is what we're shooting for, so tune believe, in for that. I think
2: that's the case, yeah, and then, uh, I'm not going to jinx it yet, but uh, when, when you listen to this, in theory, there should be some cool news going around uh, related to Waypoint, so yeah, look we'll out. talk more about that next week, it'll be very... If it, and when it kind of hits published, if it's already happened, it'll be very obvious. Otherwise, when it does happen, yeah. it will It will then be obvious. But yeah. um, I, I don't want to jump ahead of uh, anything in case this podcast somehow goes live before um, that gets around. But uh, we'll have more to say about that uh, next week. Uh, but until then, fuck capitalism, except when it allows us to do cool things. Then I guess we just deal with it. Go home. <laughs>